So this morning I want to talk some about the themes of uh, renewing and revisioning <coughs> our lives. And I'm doing so with uh, attention to this time of year, which I think in many cultures <coughs> is a time of reflection, of taking stock, of seeing where we are, seeing what the challenges are, seeing what the uh, next steps are, uh, seeing what we want to, as best we can, let go of, see how we want to make shifts, and so forth. And it's a really beautiful and important time, this time when there's uh, the greatest darkness uh, at the time of the winter solstice, and then we're in this period now where every day is uh, having more light, but it's still in this transitional time. And I'm, I'm glad that even though at this time when the earth is being as quiet as it usually, as, as it ever is, and our culture is sometimes uh, quite frenzied, you know, in terms of shopping and New Year's Eve and so forth, but we, we still nonetheless have some time for us to have some quiet time. And, you know, again, a large percentage of us here uh, don't have to work today. And we're on vacation from Atlanta or <laughs> San Diego, Los Angeles, Newburgh, Oregon, other places, Petaluma. <laughs> and so, um, we do acknowledge in our culture New Year's resolutions and this, the, the value of having some time for quiet and reflection. It's been a very important time for me. I think probably for almost every year, for the last 30 years, uh, at this time, roughly between solstice and New Year's, uh, I've done, I've been, I've had some kind of retreat that I've done, whether it, you know, ranging probably from two to ten days. And it's been really important. It's a process I love, you know, and, and this process of really trying to let the ordinary <coughs> concerns as best as possible stop and come to some sort of taking stock, some quieting, out of which can come renewal and revisioning. And it's a very beautiful, important process uh, personally I think it's really how we, uh, in large part, grow as individuals and as a culture. You know that you know I I I know there, the historian Arnold Toynbee said that actually the creative dynamic of civilizations is the fact that individuals who take major leadership roles often withdraw have what we could call a quiet time of reflection, going more deeply, getting a sense of the creative impulse, and then they, uh, they come forth and back into the culture, and they have a new vision. And that that is a major way that cultures change. So I would invite the entire U.S. Congress <laughs> to come to Spirit Rock for a retreat. <laughs> and they're not the only ones that should come. So, okay. so 
Um, so it's this, it's this important time when creativity is possible and uh, revisioning, renewal. And so I want to talk about that process and actually do some several practices that help us do that individually right here this morning. Help us do it in small ways and then really encourage each of us within what is uh, possible in our, in our own schedules to see if we may make some choices to uh, increase those contemplative moments, those moments for reflection and quiet in the next week where, you, where we have choices. And something about the creative time, I, I don't know, I, I just, I was looking, I, this was a, I wanted to read a poem which is kind of a creative fun poem just to kind of, there's something about this time which invites creativity. So I wanted to read this. This is a poem that actually that I wrote for my niece when she was 11. So this is kind of going into, her name is uh, Cezanne. She was named after the painter. And, and um, this is, um, I'm just reading this to invoke that spirit of creativity at this time. It's called Sometimes I Will, Sometimes I Won't. And so if you can imagine 11-year-old mind. <laughs> sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Whatever you say, don't say don't. There was an easy horse up in the sky. I rode it all the night and bid the earth goodbye. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Whatever you say, I won't say won't. Circling in the sky all around, the hills and the ocean were way, way down. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Whatever you hear, you shan't hear shan't. <laughs> I saw all the people, happy and sad, playing and fighting and good and bad. Sometimes I should, sometimes I shan't. Whatever you know, I can't know can't. I sent all my love from way on high, went back to the earth and bid my horse goodbye. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. Whatever you say, don't say don't. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so that had, but it had a, also a, not, not only the creative, it was a sense of going above the earth, having a vision, and then coming back. There was something also about that uh, uh, time for, for contemplation. So um, we'll do three practices this morning, and I want to do the first one right now. So maybe inspired by the horse and Cezanne and so forth. Um, we'll do a quiet uh, reflect, individual reflection. And this is just for yourself, really. So this, this, this need uh, not go beyond being entirely private. Another way to say that is uh, I'm not going to do uh, further exercise where I ask you to say what you were reflecting on. It's just for yourself. So go inside, come back to that quiet place. And I'll ask a series of questions and see what your response is to each of these questions. What is your deepest aspiration in your life?
staying connected with that deep aspiration, what is your vision of yourself in five years if you follow that deeper aspiration? You might even have an image of yourself at work or home. What is your image of yourself in five years? Your positive vision following that aspiration. What qualities do you need to develop further to help you realize your aspiration? What qualities are important to develop? Could be personal qualities, meditative qualities, skills, whatever. What are some of the challenges that you have in manifesting your deeper aspiration? And are there places where you feel stuck? And given these reflections, do you have a sense of your next step or next steps that would help you move towards that deeper aspiration?
And it's, you know, if it's helpful for you to take a few notes, feel free to do that. And we'll come back, actually, to some of the same territory in a few different ways. Because we're really inviting that reflective way of being. <coughs> I'll give just maybe a minute or so if, if for those. I think you just take a few notes. Well, it looks like yeah, just a few people are writing. So there's this really important aspect of our practice, which is to stay connected with what's most important, which we do in a, in a variety of ways. Sometimes just coming on Wednesdays or coming to retreats, doing a regular practice can be ways that we connect with what's most important. And I'll say later a few, a few ways to keep in touch uh, just on a regular daily basis, you know, which probably many of us do. But it's also significant, and I think we all know this, that we can either forget or become foggy about what's most important in our lives. And it's simply what happens when we get, what, overly busy? We can get distracted. Uh, sometimes we can get overly comfortable. You know, I'm. Sometimes we have what's most important for us, ourselves, get submerged. I, I remember when I was a college teacher, I, I taught at Kenyon College in Ohio for several years. And I, I was interested in the question of how can people in college really touch their deeper aspirations and stay connected with them for their whole lives. And I was very aware of how often we have a hard time doing that, you know, and whatever. We come and we remember what was really important after we retire or in a midlife crisis or in some kind of crisis. And I asked them, how many of you would, um, if you could get a modest sort of middle-class salary, not too much, pretty modest, and do what you most wanted to do, how many of you would want to do that? How many of you would want to do that? <laughs> and about 80% um, of people raised their hands. The other 20% were very interested in wealth and honest about it. Okay. And then I asked them, how many of you think that you'll be able to find jobs that you really love at that modest salary? and about 20% of the people raised their hands. The people thought that they were needing to do things which they didn't really want to do. And I was concerned that what was important for them would get submerged. And I think that happens all the time. Maybe we can know that in our own lives. Sometimes it gets submerged, sometimes we get distracted, sometimes we forget, sometimes we need a crisis to rem remind us what's most important. 
you know. And sometimes we need difficulties or challenges, you know. So it's, it's a mysterious practice how to stay in touch with what's deeper and have that really guide us in our lives. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the tools that's so helpful is just this process of stopping like the earth, stopping the momentum of habits and the past. And we do that when we meditate. Meditation, when it's done, I think, um, when it's done in the usual way, you know, the kind of, the kind of instructions we work with here, is a wonderful, uh, opens up a wonderful process of stopping the momentum of habits and conditioning. Invites us to be fresh in the moment, and as we know, it's a long training, and so that that done daily can be quite wonderful at keeping that sense of uh, of freshness. It helps us also to see where we get stuck, you know, where we get stuck, and helps us to let go or work through it. Sometimes we need something more powerful, like more time. We need, sometimes vacations have that function, that quality of stopping like the earth at this time is really one reason why this time is so wonderful for looking more deeply. We, we stop, we stop the momentum, we're not so busy, we don't do our usual uh, habits in the same way, and that's necessary for opening up, you know, that kind of stopping. I know for me, at, time, at several crucial times when I was in the transition in my life, I had the privilege, really, of um, stopping regular work. There were two major times when I did this for about a year, when I was able to work part-time in a very limited way and have a lot of open time. You know, and not everyone can do that in the same way I did it, but maybe we, some of us can do it in, in some ways. And I was able to really, for a period of time, not have so much structure. The last time I did this was about 12 years ago. And I knew that I had been working too much. One of the benefits of working too much is that you can build up a little income so you can stop. That's <laughs> one of the benefits. Um, but I stopped for the better part of about 13 months. And I think I was on retreat about four months of that time. And I kind of intellectually knew what the next step was, but it wasn't in my guts. And I had to really create an open space where something new and creative could come into being. And it, took, and it was not always easy, it was sometimes scary, because sometimes it felt like unstructured. What am I doing? You know, I'm a person who tends to like the support of structure. And I let go of enormous amount of structure uh, at that time. And uh, I think I knew that I had to create that, that kind of open space for something new to happen. We have to create open space, not do the usual things, or there's no room. There's no room for something, there's no room sometimes for renewal and revisioning unless we have that kind of stopping. You know, and I, I've studied that process and a lot of people who, who are well known, you know, that um, <coughs> there was, uh, you know, there was a story of Gandhi when he came back to India from South Africa in 1915. He, um, he wanted to get to know India again and he said that he wasn't going to do anything for one whole year, but travel around, he said, with his ears open and his mouth shut for one year. 
just getting a sense of what was there. That was the basis for everything that came later. Or there's a story of uh, the psychologist Carl Jung, who uh, some of you know his history is very close to, to Freud, and he was to be the kind of the heir of the whole psychoanalytic kingdom. He's the, called the crown prince, you know. And he had a break with Freud in part around the place of spirituality and its connection with psychology, you know. <coughs> and he went into a kind of seclusion for three years, where he dropped a lot of the outer structure of his life. You know, it's documented in his um, book, Memories, Dreams, Reflections. It's a very powerful story of his courage in dropping structure and being with what came up. And of course, it was a time where the whole future basis of his work came into being creatively, you know, out of that open space. And this is what he said. He said, after the parting of the ways with Freud, a period of inner uncertainty began for me. It would be no exaggeration to call it a state of disorientation. I felt totally suspended in midair, for I had not yet found my own footing. And so sometimes that happens like that, probably less intentionally. He didn't go out and say, I will, I will intend to feel disoriented. <laughs> you know, sometimes that just happens. And sometimes we just create the space, knowing that we need to create the space and that something can come of that. And that something can really move. Where I was also thinking of uh, the Burmese leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, who has been mostly just sitting in her house for under house arrest for most of the last 20 years in Burma, not able to leave the country, and just sitting there knowing that um, she embodies the democratic aspirations of the people of Burma and the aspirations for freedom, and she's sitting there with a profound kind of unknowing, but a kind of faith. And even when her husband, who, is, who was English, was... Um, was actually dying, had cancer, and was dying young in his 50s. Uh, the Burmese leaders in their, I, I would say, in their uh, sadism, did not permit him to visit Burma. And she chose not to go to England because she knew the leaders would not let him back, not, not, not let her back. And sitting with that profound unknowing, you know, but uh, cer certain kinds of faith. So that's, these are, you know, what I'm going to suggest is just take a few days off <laughs> in the next week. So I'm, I'm not saying get ready for 20 years of uncertainty. <laughs> so, but but these these are inspirations because the principle is there. It's really that principle of, of of sometimes we need to stop and listen and have faith for what for what is coming. You know, and um, we we then can listen for the message. You know, we can listen for what's there. You know, we, we create this space and we listen and we really, we cultivate that in our meditation practice. You know, the metaphor of listening is a profound one for our practice. You know, and there's, at the back of our hall, there is a tanka of the great Tibetan yogi, if you can see it back there, Milarepa. And if you look closely, you'll see he has his hand next to his ear in the gesture of listening. And so a lot of what we do is we try to stop the momentum of our, our minds, 
whether it's for a sitting or sometimes for a few days or a week. We stop the momentum of our conditioning. We create this, we create this space where we can be fresh and open, where we're not just going through the habitual patterns. And out of that, sometimes something new can happen. I think all of our practice is based on a profound faith that we have in ourselves a deep momentum and deep energy that's moving towards love and freedom and justice and wholeness. That's the, that's the guiding, we, we call, can call that a guiding faith. And one of the beautiful things about our practice is that as we practice, it becomes what we might call verified faith. It's not something we just believe in as something outside, but we come to know that process more and more in our own experience. We come to trust that if we listen deeply and we know how to discriminate the different voices, that we can really listen to the authentic voices that are there for our well-being, for our sense of wholeness, for our freedom, and that we give more room to those voices. That's what our practice is about. That's what I, I'm hoping that we may be inspired to take a little more time in the next period of time for that kind of listening. So let's do one other uh, brief practice right now. That is to um, <clears throat> take your piece of paper and have that in front of you. <coughs> and I want to invite us to do, I want to invite us now to do a visualization. So we'll go inside again. We'll be quiet. And this will involve visualizing ourselves and I first want to just uh, give us a little bit of practice with the visualization because it's not really that complicated. So I want to invite you to visualize yourself um, with the last meal that you had, perhaps breakfast. So this is not a profound spiritual practice garnered over centuries and offered to you this morning. Just remember your breakfast, what you ate, have an image of it. can come back to just being present, again with the eyes closed. And now visualize yourself moving up from 
like that earlier poem, moving up from our being here in this hall at Spirit Rock and moving up into the clouds. You can imagine yourself flying in some way, moving up into the clouds. And being in these clouds, we actually have the possibility of traveling in time. And we travel five years into the future. And we're able to look down and see ourselves in some situation. This is five years from now. Hopefully having followed our deeper aspirations, looking down and seeing what are you doing? What do you look like? Looking for how you would like to really to imagine yourself having grown, developed further in five years. Feel what it's like to be yourself further, further developed. And now as you are still in this area of the clouds, a wise being comes to you. You can see who that might be. It might be a teacher, alive or dead, a relative, alive or dead. It could be someone very ancient, but some wise being comes to you knowing that you will go back into the present moment. So see who that wise being is and visualize that being with you. Notice how you feel with this wise being.
And the wise being has some guidance for you. And also some gifts. The wise being comes up to you and whispers to you guidance. It might be guidance about your next steps. or about something to let go of. And listen for what that guidance is by the wise one. And now, as you're about to, to part, the wise being gives you some kind of object as a gift. And see what that is. It gives you something. Now, in whatever way you wish, you can say goodbye for the moment to this wise one. Say whatever you'd like to say in parting. clouds, we come back through the sky, back to this hall at Spirit Rock in the present time. Still with eyes closed. And on your sheet of paper now, I'd like you to invite you to open your eyes when you're ready. And still in silence, I'd like you to 
write two things on your sheets. The first is, what are you ready to let go of? And the second is, what qualities do you want to develop further? And write both of those on your paper. First, what, what are you ready to let go of? And second, what qualities do you want to develop further? Now bring that writing to a close. <coughs> and what we'll do is we will have the chance to deposit those sleeps, uh, sheets of paper in the bowl, and I will bury them in the earth where they will all come true. <laughs> uh, and so if you want to take a few notes before you give up that piece of paper about, so you actually remember <laughs> what the next few years will look like, um, or what your, what your intentions are, feel free to write that on somewhere else. So we'll do this by 
coming up, I'll bring the bell out a little more here. We'll come up to the front and deposit the pieces of paper in the bell. And we'll do so while chanting together. And we'll chant, and those of you, there are several people who were at the solstice retreat, which just finished last Friday, and we'll do the same chant that we did there regularly, which is Sabe Sata Suki Pontu, which is a loving-kindness chant, means may all beings be happy. And we'll do that together. It goes like this. Sabe Sata Suki Pontu Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. And so we can come up as we're chanting and just uh, leave your paper. Come up at your own whenever you wish. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. Sabe Sata Suki Hantu. Sabe Sata. Suki Hantu Sabe Sata 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 Suki Hantu Two more Sabe Sata Suki Hantu Sabe Sata Suki Hantu 
may these strong intentions uh, be held by the earth, be held by each of us, and carried into the new light, the new year. May they guide us. May we stay with the image of the wise one who we know is actually connected deeply with ourselves and is available to be called on just as we did just now. And may those intentions, those aspirations be there whenever we sit quietly. May we use them if we wish, on a daily basis, sometimes at the beginning of a meditation, or could be if you have grace before a meal, just to keep those strong intentions present. If it's possible to give some further quiet time in the next week, next 10 days, and to let these intentions grow in energy and strength and clarity, that would be wonderful, you know, whether it's to have a few hours in the forest, in the mountains, to make a choice of having some quiet time. What can really let there be some stopping, some settling, some remembering of these intentions, some renewal, some revisioning. And so we know that we uh, practice in this way, that we seek renewal and revisioning uh, for ourselves very much, but also for others. We know that we, when we are most deeply ourselves and most deeply manifesting our deeper aspirations, that we're more fun to be around. <laughs> and that we are. <laughs> that we are actually uh, more beneficial to others and more beneficial to the larger society that we impact on others. And may, may, these <clears throat> may these aspirations be a benefit both to ourselves and to others, and ultimately, in sometimes mysterious ways, going beyond our known circles into the realm of all beings. May that be so. Thank you so much for your practice, for your aspirations, and for our being together this morning. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.